Welcome to the Trochia Podcast Series. We're going to talk about hope. And, and hope is one of those things that is very, very important to every single one of us, but maybe we don't spend a whole lot of time thinking about. And so today we're going to kind of park ourselves in this subject. I don't know if you've heard this statement. It says, man can live about 40 days without food, about three days without water, eight minutes without air, but only one second without hope. And that's true. 40 days, if you don't eat, you're gone. Three days without water, you're gone. And if you stop breathing, eight minutes is a long time. You're gone. But hope is one of those things where it's an ebb and flow, right? Some days you feel more hopeful than others. And I, and I do think we can have a second without hope. Maybe, maybe it isn't exactly a second that takes us out. Maybe it's many seconds together or a season of lacking hope. But there is no doubt that we cannot survive without hope. In fact, history shows us that humanity has survived all kinds of things, terrible, terrible things, terrible losses, and somehow people survived them. Loss of health, of finances, loss of careers and loved ones, Job-like trials, isolation, persecution, abuse, concentration camps, you name it, persecution. And somehow people have survived those incredibly horrific experiences. And if we have no hope, there's no way we can survive these experiences. You see, what happens when we lose hope, our bodies physically begin to get sick. We begin the process of dying when we lose hope. Nothing matters, we're indifferent to the world, we lack motivation, and we're like a ship that's sailing aimlessly. And so without hope, we lose our endurance, we lose our joy, we lose our courage. These things just evaporate. And so we need it. And the thing is, we all have hope. All of us have some little hope, but too often our hope is placed on the wrong thing. We place it on things that don't really pay off, right? Uh, We put our hope on maybe our degrees at school, our academia, our athletic ability, our status, our wealth, right? Maybe we put our hope on another person. We, We put our hope on our bank account value, the size of our house, the shiny car. And these things will let us down. That hope is not strong enough. And see, hope is a simple thing, but it's also very profound, Psychologists says that, say that hope leads to a sense of looking forward to something happening. So it leads us to better performance, to greater happiness, and it makes us look forward to and take steps towards the future. And hope, they say, is a combination of our reason, our mind, our intellect, and our heart. The transcendence of our emotions, right? That part that you, it's hard to explain. It's, it's both a reasonable thing, but it's also somewhat transcendent, which is why it's simple, but it's also complicated. And so today we're going to talk about hope, and we're going to talk about hope that comes from heaven. Why? Because in order for us to survive the reality of suffering in this world, we have to have a hope that will last, a hope that will survive the test of horrific suffering, 
That is what keeps us going forward. And so we're going to look at the hope that comes from God. Let us look what it says in Psalm 62. It says, Yes, my soul, find rest in God. My hope comes from him. Truly, he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. My, God, my hope comes from God. We all need hope, but do we understand this hope that God has for us? Will that hope pass the test of suffering? And how do we get more of it when we hit those seconds without it? That's what we're going to look at today. So first, let's look at what is this hope that we believe in, the hope that God gives us. Paul writes about this in his letter to the Romans. And I've asked Jim to do this reading for us. And the reason I'm asking him to read it over us is we believe here at Mariners that the word of God is absolutely true, is absolutely reliable, and it's absolutely important. And so if nothing else sticks in your heart today, I hope that the word of God, which it says will never return void, will go deep in your hearts. So let's hear Jim read that. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our suffering because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Thank you. That's my husband, Jim. Isn't he cute? (laughs) Okay, but in all seriousness, we just heard the word of God. Inappropriate humor, huh? Uh, We just heard the word of God. Let's, Let's start with prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you for today. Thank you for this incredibly important subject. Thank you that your word speaks about it so powerfully. Lord, today as we consider this subject, I pray that you would bring to mind in each of us areas in our lives where we are filled with hope, where maybe we're struggling with hope, and then let us hear what you have to say to us today through this word. Give me the right words, Lord to feed your people, Lord, with your word, with your power, with your message. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so the hope that we're talking about, the hope that comes from God, as we can see from this passage, is all about salvation. It's grounded on our salvation. And we can't go forward on this subject unless we truly understand what this means. Now, you notice this passage started with the word, therefore. Anytime you, you pluck a passage out, of the Bible. You've got to be careful because there's things that came before and after. And Romans is one of those letters which I absolutely love. It's a great letter to read from beginning to end, the way it was intended. It was written as a letter for people to read all at once. And it has tremendous power and an incredibly powerful message about our salvation. And just before this passage, uh, Paul talks about some things that we won't have a lot of time to cover, but I want to highlight for us. You see, salvation is the work of the entire Trinity, God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Each member of the Trinity has a very powerful role in our salvation. Earlier in Romans, we see that Paul tells us what the Son came to do. 
He came so that our sins would be forgiven. He came to be the sin offering or the sacrifice on our behalf. We have a moral debt to God. Our sins separated us from him. And we cannot save ourselves. But Jesus came to do that work. And look how Paul put it in Romans 3. It says, God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. And just a little bit later in Romans 5, 6, and 8, look what it says. You see, just at the right time, when we were all still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The first element of the hope we stand on is the fact that our sins have been atoned for. They have been paid for. That we have been made right with God because of the work that Jesus did on the cross. It's the very thing we are celebrating over this journey towards Easter. And so then we continue in the passage. Now as we, we have that in mind, the work that Jesus, the Son, has done, let us look now at what the Father and the Holy Spirit do in regards to this subject of hope. Let me read this passage again to you. It says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into his grace in which we now stand, and we boast in the hope of God. Now, I, I've high, I underlined some of these things that I want to point out to you. He said, justified through faith. That portion is the work of God the Father, the creator. You see, when we sin, we are separated from God. God, Paul says, made it so that we are now in a right relationship with him. It's something we can't do ourselves. Paul is saying there's a new legal transaction that has taken place. Where we deserve wrath, we now receive peace. Where we were separated from God, we now have access to him. That work can only be done by God the Father, our creator. It's the return of shalom, the peace of making all things right, done by God himself. And then Paul says we have gained access. Access to what? His grace. You see, because even though we have been saved, even though our sins have been paid for, even though we now have access to intimate relationship with God the Father, well, you know, we still sin. We still do the things we shouldn't do. We're broken people. And so what, this access to grace is grace upon grace upon grace. Every time we make those mistakes, every time we deviate from the path, we receive God's grace again and again. It is a gift from God, Paul says in Ephesians, his grace. And then he says that our hope is restored. Look what he says. He says, hope and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. We boast. Now, Paul only talks about boasting twice, in two different ways, actually. We can boast in our weakness, and we can boast in the Lord. That's about it. Now, we are boastful people. Pride is one of our biggest challenges. And Paul's saying, direct that kind of pride towards only two things. The fact that you're weak and you need a Savior, and the fact that you have a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And here he's saying, let us boast in that glory. And what does he mean by that glory? 
is the sense that we now stand before the glory of God, that one day in eternity we will be standing in that glory forever, and that somehow in our very presence and access to God, that glory starts to fall upon us, and we start to reflect it kind of like mirrors onto others. And that to me is fascinating. The broken people as we are somehow can manifest the glory of God. And Paul says that's something to boast about. That's something to praise God for. And so that's the hope we stand upon. That's the theology portion of my message. But let me, let me go to what this means to us. In a practical way, where does this take us? This hope of salvation needs to stand the test of suffering. If it doesn't go through suffering and survive, it's no hope at all, is it? Right? And so we're going to look at, look at can this kind of hope survive the test of suffering? And look what Paul says about that. He says, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. How many of you know this passage? You've heard it before. How many of you like this passage? I'm not one of them. Did you read that? Glory in our suffering? How many of us lean towards suffering going, Woo, I'm going to go suffer today. <laughs> How many of us think, okay, right now my life is very peaceful, but any minute now that suffering's coming. Somehow things are going too smooth for me. How many of us are afraid of what hap- may happen next? And we start to make movies in our head about the suffering that's going to happen to us. The reality is none of us going to suffering with this sense of glory, but Paul is asking us to do that. There's something compelling about what he's telling us to do. You see, he says, suffering produces perseverance. Now, that was logical to me because we all know that if it doesn't kill you, it'll make you better, right? I mean, it sort of, that makes sense. We, things that really come into our lives, no matter how hard they are, somehow if we survive them, we're going to be better at the end. That one makes sense. And then we go into character. Somehow that perseverance, that endurance, produces character. And what does that mean? It's actually from a Greek word that is sounds, character. Huh? I'm just saying. It's really the same thing, character. And character is an imprint. It's something that leaves behind a mark. And so imagine that what perseverance does is it leaves in us a mark. It has to do, I think, with wisdom. Having experienced terrible suffering, any kind of suffering, little suffering, when you leave that experience and you go through it, you now have this mark of wisdom. You know what it was like, and you know how to handle it in the future. That wisdom produces, Paul says, hope. Hope for the next thing. Hope that we can share with someone else. Hope that gives us a sense of tomorrow, if something comes, I will be okay. I'll make it through. Now, I see two types of hope when I work as a chaplain at Chalk Hospital. I'm there all day on Tuesday, and I visit families, and I see people whose children are very ill, children who are, have cancer, who have brain diseases, all sorts of diseases. Some children pass away. Some children are that close. Parents have to make decisions. Do I remove the breathing tube? These are really difficult situations, and I'm right there in the front line of suffering. And I see two ways that people react to that suffering. Suffering that is in vain and suffering that is good. I'm sorry, hope that is in vain and hope that is good. 
You see, vain hope is the hope in a human ability. Maybe in the doctor, in the nurses, in the medicine, in the technology. Now, I'm not saying those things are bad. I'm not. I'm saying that if that's all we're counting on, we all know those things at some point could let us down. And so I see families who put all of their hope in those things. And when it doesn't happen the way they expect it, because this is what happens when we put our hope in the wrong thing, it leads to disappointment and bitterness and anger. And then I see parents who choose to put their hope on God. And I see a huge difference in the way that they experience the whole thing. How they look at the suffering itself and how they look at even medicine and doctors and nurses and technology. It gets placed in the right context. Yes, those things are important. Yes, they can make a difference. But that's not where their hope is placed. So if something were to happen differently than they expect, they still know that God is there with them and that God doesn't change. And it changes the experience for them 100%. I've seen it both ways. So you see, there's a part of hope that is a choice we have to make. We need to decide, how are we going to suffer? How are we going to endure the suffering that comes? Paul doesn't say, just in case you suffer, in the off chance it happens to you, oh no, it's going to happen. It probably has already happened to you, I'm sure, multiple times. And we know of the people who have suffering that's, it almost seems like, a cloud just came over them and all kinds of suffering comes out. Do you know someone like that? I have a dear friend who in the span of a short period of years, he had so many horrible things happen to him. I just, I couldn't believe it. He, had, he started out with having esophageal cancer and he survived that, barely. Then his son committed suicide. It's tragic. I mean, he, was, he would say to me, I want to be the one to have died, not my son. He barely could survive that. Then he got pneumonia, and he almost died from that. And the breathing tube caused damage to his esophagus, which was already in trouble. And therefore, he now can only feed through a tube. He cannot drink anything or eat anything ever again in his life. Then, if that wasn't bad enough, he ended up in a divorce. I mean, it was like in a short period of time, that much suffering for one person. It just doesn't seem right, does it? And some of us don't have those kinds of experiences. Some of you do. How do we get through those experiences? How did he do it? He's still standing today, putting his hope on Christ. Sometimes hope is a choice. And it's, Paul is saying that tested character is that ability to endure through the suffering, get that imprint in your heart of what you learned through that experience, and that in itself produces hope. Let me give you another example. I don't know if you remember the 33 uh, miners in Chile who got caught in a very deep well. Something like 700,000 pounds of rock and soil caved over them, and they were stuck in there for 69 days. Never in history has there been a rescue of that type done. They had no clue what they were doing, how they were going to save this group of people stuck there in the darkness obviously without access to food and all kinds of needs. And these men survived. They brought in uh, experts from NASA, Chilean Navy officers, and what is, it, what is it like to be in that kind of isolation, and how do we help these people survive this experience? And they concentrated on two things. 
One was the physical well-being of the miners. The other was their hope. And so through the ability, they did get a chance to put things down the shaft. They brought them food. They sent them medicines. They sent them, um, they tried to keep their weight in check because they were going to have to come through a thin area. They didn't want them to gain weight. They, they actually had them do exercises to stay physically fit. And then they could, were concerned about their mental stability and their hope. And so they would um, have a psychologist who was available to hear their complaints, talk about their depression, talk about their hopes once they got out of that space. And do you know, all of them came out. The second man that came out, his name was Mario Sepulveda. After 69 days in this cave, oh, by the way, they never had to put, uh, send down antidepressant medication into the cave. Now, oh, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with antidepressant and medication, but you think about it. I think if I were stuck in a cave for 69 days, I'm signing up for antidepressant. You know, that would be, it's horrifying. They never had to do it. And listen to the words of this man. He said, I was with God and with the devil, and I reached out to God. Let me read that again. I was with God and with the devil, and I reached out to God. That made all the difference for this man's survival. In a moment of terrible suffering, that could make the difference for you and I. And that's what Paul's telling us. We, we glory on this hope because it will save our lives. And you know, in suffering, in the middle of suffering, there are things we can do to help us through it. And Paul gives us some of that a little bit later in Romans. Look at these words. He says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have, called, have been called according to his purpose. Now, this is not a passage that you read over or you tell someone who's in the middle of suffering. And some people do. Oh, I'm sorry you're really struggling. But you know, God has a plan for that. God's working it out for good. Even if you say that with a lot more caring than I just did, that does not work for someone in the middle of suffering. Just simply saying to them, somehow God's working this out for good. They have to, we have to discover that for ourselves. We have to look at our suffering, our situation, and we have to, like the man said, reach out to God. Look for him in the suffering and figure out, God, where are you in this? In the middle of this darkness, what are you doing? How are you helping me? How are you teaching me? What am I supposed to do? And so I, I give you an example of the importance of this kind of thing. I wanted you to meet my husband earlier because four years ago or so, he was riding an ATV, and he flipped it and fell out of it up in the mountains, and he was stuck in the mountains for five hours, and he broke his ribs, a bunch of ribs, and his uh, ankle was shattered. And it took me a long time to get to him, and, and they had to helicopter him out to a hospital and all of that. It was a very traumatic experience for me and for him, of course. And during that time, as we were trying to get ourselves up the mountain to get to him, I was starting to notice these little things that God was doing along the way 
that were quite miraculous, and some of them very small, but incredibly wonderful. And I started to jot them down in my mind. And then as soon as I could, when I got in the car headed to the hospital, I started writing them down. And over the next, next seven days, two surgeries later, some big decisions we had to make, I was writing this list down, somewhere between what medicines he was taking, the names to the doctors, and all the details you have to do when you have in the middle of a situation like this. At the end of it, I had 133 <coughs> items on my list of things I was grateful for in the middle of a very stressful season. I didn't have someone read this to me, but I saw it come alive. I saw God working for the good, the things that were happening. I'm thinking maybe you've experienced a suffering, a loss, and maybe you've seen God at work in it too. And sometimes in the middle of the suffering, we can't see it. I'm very grateful I had somehow God's wisdom to write it down so I can look back. See, Paul says, suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character. That character, that mark, that wisdom that I received from that time, that's going to help me towards the next time something happens. It's going to help us when we learn from our suffering so we can lean in to what comes next because we don't know what it is. And so our hope is something that arises and our desire and our willingness to trust God no matter the circumstances. And then look what Paul says as we close into this verse. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Now here we see the work of the third member of the Trinity for our hope. The Holy Spirit himself pour out into each one of us, if that's not a miracle. You see, the work of the Holy Spirit is to do two things, to give us gifts and desires that we didn't have before we became believers. We can be kinder. We can be more patient, the Word of God says. We have more, more compassion. We have strength that we didn't have before. But the Holy Spirit also helps us become more and more like Christ. Christ went and suffered the most horrific of things, the most terrible of suffering, which is what we celebrate through Easter. Maybe celebrate is not that right word, is remember through Easter. And we see as we become more and more like him, we understand suffering where we're willing to go through it and learn from it and see the beauty of how God somehow can make something that's wrong and bad good. You see, in the middle of suffering, this is what happens to us. We have like the man in the cave, uh, and in the, in the ditch, he was saying, I saw God and I saw the devil, but I chose God. Because in the middle of suffering, this is what happens. Can I use you as an example? Okay. okay. This is what happens. We're suffering. You're suffering. Things are really bad right now. And Satan, who is the author of all suffering, God does not produce suffering. Satan produces the suffering. The sin in our lives produces suffering. The sin in other people's lives produces suffering. But then he comes by our lives and he goes, Give up. There's no point. You're not going to get out of this. God let you down. It's your fault. He lies and lies and lies and lies. He's right on us the whole time. And then we have to choose. Do we believe those lies? The very author of the suffering that we're dealing with, are we going to believe that? Or are we going to reach out and look to God, to the Holy Spirit, who will say, you are a child of God. You are loved your God is faithful. 
He never leaves you. He will make this out to somehow have some good. So that's what the Holy Spirit can do for us. And we can ask the Holy Spirit to give us more of that kind of hope. If you're running low on hope, the beauty of what Paul is saying here is God's love has been poured into us so that we can ask for more and more of that hope. Let me give you some illustrations of what can happen when we get filled with the Holy Spirit and allow that hope to come to fruition. Sarah and Abraham were promised by God that they would have a child. So many years later, when they were old people, that promise came true. Hope kept them going. David is standing before Goliath, and all he has is a rock. And he says, God is going to take Goliath down. He throws that rock, hoping that God's promise will be fulfilled. And it is. And then we see a person in our own contemporary culture, Billy Graham. When he was um, deciding whether or not to continue with his ministry, he was faced with a big challenge, and that is that there was a, a time where people were saying, well, maybe the Bible isn't authoritative. Maybe it isn't all true. And it was just this nonsense that was going on for that time. And in the middle of that, Billy Graham wanted to teach God's word because he, he believed it to be true. But he was having doubts. He was discouraged. And he sought the wisdom of the founder of Forest Home. And after he did that, he said this, and it was written in a plaque. Look what it says. He says, I am going to allow faith to go beyond my intellectual questions and doubts. And I will believe this to be your inspired word. That moment, that decision for Billy Graham was the decision that turned from him from going back to Northern uh, Carolina and becoming a dairy farmer to becoming the greatest evangelism we've had. That, that decision that you make in the middle of that hopeless time can be the decision that can influence your life and the lives of so many. How many of us have been influenced by Billy Graham and the work that he did? So I'm going to read two passages to us. Actually, I'm going to read one, and you're going to read one. And then we're going to move into a time of reflecting how it is that we hear from God about hope. Paul says at the end of Romans, he says this in his letter. He says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And a beautiful prayer. Now, this one I want us to read together so that if, we, if you're in this place right now and you are hoping for something, you've been waiting for something, you have a need, a desperate need for hope today, that we begin this process by asking God and the Holy Spirit to fill us with hope. So I want us to read this together. This comes from Psalm 119, verse 116. Sustain me, my God, according to your promise and I will live. Do not let my hopes be dashed. Have you marked that in your Bible? What we're going to do now is, on the back of your outlines, if you look at it, it's a blank space for an examine. Not a test. This is actually a spiritual practice designed by St. Augustine. And in examine, what we do is we, we start to ask ourselves some questions so we can go deep and centered in what God's trying to teach us. So we're going to take a few minutes, and we're just going to have music playing as we do this. If you don't want to write it down on that piece of paper, you can also just sit there and think about it. The questions will be up on the screen. And this is what we're going to do. We're going to stop and contemplate and reflect on these questions. 
over the past week, I'm not giving you a long time here, easy to remember, over the past week, when did you experience the most hope? When did you struggle to hold on to hope? And how is God calling you today to a greater hope? Take a few minutes, contemplate on these questions, write down whatever comes to mind, and then I will come back and we will do the response tables. as I was reflecting over the past week here's how my 
experience went. I, I'm, I have a little ministry. It's an online ministry where we do devotionals for people. And I, sometimes I don't know if this is reaching anyone or it's making a difference. And I was getting discouraged. I thought, maybe, maybe I need to stop this. And I was losing hope. And I was thinking of just shutting it down. And then two days ago, I got an email from a person who's receiving these devotionals. And she shared with me passionately what a difference these devotionals are making in her life. So unlike Sarah and David and Billy Graham, and the promise that God has given me, it hasn't been fulfilled yet, but he gave me a little glimpse of hope two days ago, saying, I'm in it, Inez. Trust me. And so although my hope hasn't been fulfilled, I have hope for today. I have hope for tomorrow. And that's why we are highlighting the candles today. Because think about it. If this room was pitch dark, black, couldn't see anything, and we lit one candle, wouldn't you say the entire room would change? The feeling in this room would be totally different. One candle. That little email I got was like one candle. And I wonder what's going on in your life, where you are struggling for hope. And maybe, maybe you need that candle. You need that thing. And so as we come forward now, we're going to do the candles first. And I want you to come and light that candle. And I hope it represents one step towards hope for today and, of course, hope for tomorrow. And then we get to see all the candles lit after all of us has done this and see what beautiful picture it is when we gather our hope together and we encourage each other. And then we will invite you, after you light the candle, come to the communion table. It's the place where we get reminded of the very hope we stand on. That we have salvation through Jesus Christ for eternity, made right with God. Glory upon glory, grace upon grace. And then maybe, maybe you have the enemy on you. Maybe you have someone saying to you, do this, do this, do that. Let's go in this direction. Maybe you have your, your sins in trying to entrap you and enslave you, and you need to be released and freed from that. And so perhaps you just need to take those things that are keeping you from God and nail them to the cross and put them to death. Maybe you need prayer. Maybe you're in this place where you're asking God, my hope is gone, God. I need you to use the Holy Spirit to infuse me with your hope. And that's what the prayer wall is for. Go and write your prayer. Ask God for your hope. Ask God for whatever your needs may be. And then every week we have the offering boxes in the back because when we give, we're reminded how dependent we are on God. Our hope stands on the reality that we boast in our weakness, that we have a good God who cares for us and provides. And when we give back to Him, we're reminded of that truth. Thanks for listening. We at Trochia are committed to helping you grow in Christ. Please join us at trochia.org. That's T-R-O-C-H-I-A.org, where you can sign up for our monthly e-newsletter, find blogs, videos, Bible study lessons, and more podcasts, all dedicated to Christian discipleship. And make sure to like our Trochia Facebook page to receive short daily devotionals. Be encouraged as our Lord's grace and peace goes with you.